Welcome to another episode of Write, Read, and Write, a podcast that often finds itself quite conflicted about what it's doing and and where it is, why it's here, and what the meaning of life is. And oh gosh, uh, if I keep going and thinking about this, I might just freak out. So let's move on. I'm Josiah Gray, and I'm here with my partner in crime, Adam Adam Preston Perrell. And to get things started, I was just wondering, Adam, have you ever faced a terrible problem? Ah, uh, yes. I have. In the before times when man could roam the streets maskless and eat establishments of fine dining, I... Gosh, well, this is another food example, isn't it? Well, I mean, of course it is. It's a commonality between all living things we all have to eat. Food connects us with our listeners, Josiah. Maybe you should start incorporating more food into your suggestions and stories. Maybe. And, you know, the students can correct me if I'm wrong, but I guarantee you I am not. Anyways, I once walked into a restaurant, got seated, looked at the menu, and realized there was nothing there that I wanted to eat. Now, this is a socially awkward moment. You have to look at your host or hostess, waitress or waiter in the eye and say, sorry, I'm going to go. For me, that's terrible. And it also supports my growing agoraphobia because socially awkward situations do that. But how about you, Josiah? That is a terrible situation. I've had that as well. You look at the menu, there's nothing you want to eat or everything that you want to eat they don't have. And <laughs> you just have to make up an excuse and get out of there. It's terrible. Um, but I've had some pretty horrifying experiences myself. So uh, there was one time that's pretty seared into my memory. And I think it's because it's actually one of my first memories as a kid. But it was... You know, on, on that night, it was a dark and stormy night. Actually, it wasn't. It was a pretty bright, sunny Sunday morning. Uh, but just a review from last week, uh, if there are cliche endings, there are certainly cliche openings. So avoid the dark, stormy night starter. So anyway, back to my story. It was a bright, cheerful Sunday morning, yet little did I know of all the terrors that would befall me. After all, I was just a little small boy, innocent and unknowing of all the monsters in the world. But anyway, my family had gone to a social event, and at the end, I found myself alone. Scared, I searched for my family, but I couldn't find them. And getting increasingly distressed, I screamed and cried their names aloud, but to no avail. They were gone, and I'd been abandoned. But actually, I hadn't. Uh, they were just upstairs, um, and soon we were reunited, and we lived happily ever after. Uh, oh, no, wait, that's a cliche ending. Um, so the day was saved, uh, teaching the little boy an important lesson about the value of family, but uh, though he learned the lesson and learned it well, it would be decades before the scars. Oh, crap. Uh, Adam, does that count as a cl uh, cliffhanger? Uh, maybe, but I'll forgive you this time, Josiah. But, you know, don't make a habit of it, maybe. Okay, okay. I'll try to remember. No cliches and no cliffhangers. But today, clear, uh, dear listeners, we are discussing conflicts. So what are your thoughts about conflicts, Adam? Oh, well, since you asked. <laughs> I, <laughs> I feel like conflicts can be big or small. Um, whether it's an internal conflict or whether you are doing the right thing or an asteroid is heading for the earth. I mean, conflicts are conflicts. And I really do appreciate all of them as far as stories go. 
Conflicts give us a reason to pay attention. I mean, a challenge faced by ourselves becomes evidently important when we can't stop talking about it or thinking about it or feeling some sort of way about it. When others are challenged internally or externally, we empathize. We feel a sense of intrigue and in how they solve the problem or how they rise to the challenges. It's part of being human. I mean, it's, it's built into our chemistry. It's built into our survival. And I, I really feel like this year has been a year of conflicts. Um, and Netflix has definitely demonstrated it. They have a series about social distancing um, in which everyone has a conflict and it's displayed through different cameras and different perspectives because normal life has changed and it's been challenged. And it's fascinating to see how people all over the world deal with the conflicts that they've been given. Some leaders reacted and changed their outcomes for the better. Their countries are now pretty much normal. Some leaders chose to ignore the conflict and pretend it didn't exist, which made it worse than any writer in the world could have called that. People were challenged and faced conflicts they had never imagined having. And having, now that everyone has had a COVID story or COVID-related story, I mean, whether or not they had the disease, but just the, the reaction of their country and the reaction to lockdowns. I mean, people have had job losses, relationships ending, or people connected in new ways given new tech. I mean, think about our students. It definitely drives their teachers crazy. I've seen a lot of videos of people messing with their teachers on Zoom. But everyone has something that they went through and are going through. And we can all empathize in a way and understand or react to or care about their story. Conflicts are important because they intrigue us in a way that only humans have demonstrated. And they draw on empathy that tugs at our hearts and that lead our minds down paths of exploration. What do you think, Josiah? Yeah, certainly. This year has been so chock full of conflicts. Obviously, yeah, there was a global pandemic, but there's been crazy elections. There's been natural disasters. In the States, especially, there's been rioting and protests. It's been a tense year. There's been so many conflicts and problems. And what I want you to see here is that conflicts come in a variety of situations. Oftentimes, we think about conflicts in terms of characters. And I'm, I'm going back to Adam's example of, the Dar of Darth Vader at the start of the very first uh, Star Wars movie. Uh, that was a couple weeks back when we were talking about openings. But he mentioned how intense it was seeing that giant spaceship and this looming black cat-clad villain for the very first time. And straight away, we as the audience knew, here is the conflict of the story. But the thing is, conflicts do come in a lot of different shapes and sizes. So in Star Wars, there are other forces that provide conflicts. So, for instance, nature is a huge antagonist. So in the very next Star Wars movie, The Empire Strikes Back, which is undoubtedly the very best Star Wars movie. Amen. It has an aim good right back at you. So obviously, Adam and I are in agreement on this one. But it's got an opening that is even more iconic to me. Adam, do you not prefer the Battle of Hoth? I mean, the Battle of Hoth is epic in so many ways. We're introduced to so many new characters, and the idea itself of a snow planet. I mean, I mean, listeners may not know this, but I'm from Alaska. I mean, that that was like looking outside. <laughs> yeah, Alaska <laughs> is a snow planet by itself. <laughs> um, and maybe we won't. We'll talk about the uh, the conflicts of snow planets and world building sometime. But anyway, the movie starts with the rebels fighting the Empire on the frozen planet Hoth. And yes, the fight is between the rebels and the Empire, and that's the focus. But there's this huge conflict with the environment as well, because it's a frozen planet full of dangerous animals. 
And so before the Empire even attacks, Luke almost freezes to death and gets eaten by this Yeti monster. And that has nothing to do with the Empire. But the conflict was just as intense. I mean, if, if Luke had frozen or if he had actually been eaten by the monster, well, the, the story would have stopped there and, and poor Luke Skywalker, now we don't have the rest of the series. But when we think of conflicts, there are basically around six different conflicts that we can kind of categorize conflicts into these boxes. And so we've already mentioned how people fighting against other people, that's one conflict. And how when we're fighting against nature or nature-based problems like animals, that's another different conflict. But in stories, people also have conflicts uh, against themselves. They fight you know, internally. Uh, and obviously with COVID, COVID, that's caused a lot of internal conflict. Uh, but they fight against technology. They fight against society. Maybe there's something supernatural, uh, which could be anything from fighting against gods to aliens to vampires. Uh, there's so many different conflicts. Um, but when you are writing, try to play with the different conflicts in the story. Your story might have multiple conflicts in there, and some obviously might be bigger than others. And, and I love that. And I think maybe in the future, maybe in another season when we're not just touching on subjects, we could probably do an episode for each kind of conflict and how it might be seen so students can explore that. But I mean, I just think introducing the idea is right for right now for the podcast. Um, and I love discussing conflicts. I mean, that is how I start every story. And my favorite contracts are those are conflicts are those that are contrasting or those that have like multiple conflicts within it. As you mentioned, an environment plus trying to fight an empire, uh, plus trying to fight a Yeti, all of it combined just really builds an intensity of a situation and as the problem that the antagonist hero has to solve. Uh, and these are the kind of conflicts that really draw me in and I know draw others in. So let's let's give me or let's go through an example of like a contrasting conflict. A knight needs to save his daughter from an evil lord that burnt down his house and killed the rest of his family. So we have a baddie, we have someone who needs to be rescued, and we have our hero. But our hero, the knight, is also dying and needs a potion from a wizard that is not on the way to the evil lord's castle. So he's forced to, into this conflicting decision of sacrifice. Does he sacrifice himself and save his daughter? Or is his daughter potentially killed or, you know, runs off with the Lord and he is unable to protect her? We have a challenge of philosophies of self-preservation versus protection of those we love. And these kind of conflicting things add to the richness of a story. And I absolutely love it. Then we have the idea of multiple conflicts. And here I'm going to, like, sort of touch on jo Teacher Josiah's uh, territory the lord of the rings the <laughs> fellowship of the rings which we know teacher josiah loves mm. um so frodo has to get the ring to rivendale safely that is his mission given by gandalf right that is his main conflict he's got to go places he's never been he's got to get there he's going to have some guides some other things along the way but he knows gold one get the ring to rivendale where it's going to be safe but then he also has to save his friends from the evil that's chasing them the ring wraiths Right. And they, whether it be on the trail and hiding or, you know, being in the wrong room in the inn, he has a new conflict. It's not just get the ring, it's escape these rights. And then he also has to deal with the emotions of having a great task put upon him. Like the ring itself creates a conflict because it has an emotional tug on the person who's bearing it. I mean, there's a lot to deal with in this. And some of it gets processed within the single movie and story and some of it gets worked out later. But all these conflicts sort of build 
the Fellowship of the Ring from the perspective of Frodo from his story arc. And it's normal to have conflicting and contrasting conflicts and multiple conflicts um, in stories because it happens in life naturally. Um, working them into a simple story such as the IGCSC, which is only 350 words, is a challenge. So I usually suggest that students appreciate the fact that there are multiple conflicts, but try to get through just resolving one conflict with a resolution before trying to mix in too many into a story. Uh, and that is mostly because of assessments. Like, as you're a creative writer, do as many conflicts as you want. Just try to tie them all up at the end. But on your exams, one conflict and as few characters as you possibly can to get that conflict through, just so you can have a richness of characterization setting and definitely demonstrate that the conflict was resolved. Exactly. Yeah, don't try and overload your story. And when it comes to... Uh, I, exams and writing exams, I normally find two different types of students. Those uh, students who get so excited about the story that they throw everything into it uh, and there's like conflicts everywhere. Uh, and those students are awesome. Uh, they have plenty of content, but the problem is they get to the point and they can't fit it into 300 words and they get stuck and they have to you know shoehorn it in with one of those bad endings you know oh, and he woke up it was all just a dream because we can't finish it in that in that space or we have those students who can't produce a good conflict and so they get to 100 words and the story's done and they're like oh i don't know what to add so trying to find a good conflict but not trying to have everything that you want because when we're thinking about conflicts, yes, um, authors like Tolkien, uh, you know, coming back to Lord of the Rings, yes, I love Lord of the Rings, uh, he can have so many conflicts in the Lord of the Rings. Or other authors like J.R.R. Martin, um, doing this for you, Adam, because I know you love Martin. Um, these are authors that have been writing for decades or who wrote for decades. And so they were able to keep uh, track of all the different multiple conflicts over these hugely long stories. Um, but that was them. <laughs> so until you have become a famous author, maybe keep it a bit simpler and only try to add all of those conflicts in when you're doing your hundreds of pages long book and not your 300 word essay. So let's move on to homework. Uh, so for my homework, I want you to watch a movie, and it could be any movie, um, but notice the different types of conflict in there, and be sure to note how big they are. Maybe try to make a, give a percentage to each one. Uh, so maybe fighting uh, the big bad empire can be, it would be like 75% of the story, but maybe the, the frost planet environment is like 10%. I mean, after Luke goes from um Hoth he goes straight to Dagobah which is a, is a jungle planet and obviously there's a lot of nature conflicts there so what other um conflicts are there do they all fit into different boxes could you give a percentage to each one maybe if you really want to be mathematical and cool you could make a pie chart or a bar graph so that you can see how much of the movement movie was spent on each different type of conflict Adam what is your homework well, my homework is to make a list of the conflicts you go through every day and write possible ways that that conflict could be resolved. The reason I want students to do this is because you don't need a grand adventure to be a conflict. I've written a conflict of a pencil rolling off a desk for a short story. Like, it's super small, right? So think of every conflict that you can imagine yourself going through. And think outside the box. Like I said, the pencil rolling off a desk, small, but I can still create a story out of it.
Then see what is different characters you can imagine might do within that conflict and how they might reach a different result than you. Look for connections and imagine them. That's some hypothetical problem solving and it's a good skill to develop. And I really feel like trying to step outside your own shoes and imagine other people solving a conflict will really open up your ideas and your mind about what conflicts can be within your stories. Great. And I think that's an awesome point. Uh, conflicts don't have to be giant. Okay. They can be small. I was looking online at different books and I saw one yesterday where the entire story takes place uh, in an elevator. The, the kid is going from the top floor to the bottom floor because he's going to go get revenge on someone. And it's this internal conflict the entire time of, is he actually going to go through with it? And obviously there's flashbacks and whatnot, but it's keeping it just simple to this main conflict. So, uh, yeah. And in this world of COVID-19 and lockdown, there are plenty of problems that you could choose from, big ones, small ones. And it's, but it is easy to mope around the house, angry and despondent, and just kind of get frustrated with life. Uh, so you could be like that, or you could be like Shakespeare. Um, and that's what I'm trying to be. Because... Uh, Shakespeare didn't know this. He actually wrote a lot of his famous plays during the Bubonic Plague. And trust me, Black Death is so much worse than COVID. Uh, you can research it, it's really gross. Uh, but if writing isn't your thing, uh, you could try to overcome a different type of conflict. Maybe play an online game that you've been meaning to, uh, find joy in online learning, maybe try that instrument you've always wanted to learn. Um, or if you're like my wife, you could try to get cats. That's what she does to combat. Uh, the pandemic and but find some way to combat uh, the conflict in your life whatever it is all right um you have your homework you have your little bit of a lesson so thanks for listening to this episode of write read and write we hope that the worst problems and conflicts you face are confined to your stories but if you do encounter any antagonists try to remember that they are an essential part of your hero's journey oh hero's journey Maybe we should talk about that. Interesting. What do you think, Josiah? I think it's a good idea. That's it. Well, we'll see you guys next time. Thank you for listening.